Welcome back to another edition of the yeah, Guys Podcast. I am your host, Ram, and I am joined by the usual gang. Uh, Tony, let's get right into this thing. Uh, before we go into last week's schedule, uh, let's get into some news here. Definitely. So we'll, uh, we'll head it off with some unfortunate news coming out of Colorado. Uh, two-way all-star player, really. Uh, Travis Hunter will be out for a few weeks, according to um, Deion Sanders. Uh, apparently, he was also taken to the hospital at one point in the game. Um, after an illegal hit in the first half against Colorado State. Also, uh, tough news out of Clemson, uh, starting wide receiver Cole Turner. He will be out for the season after tearing three abductor muscles in his hip area. So unfortunately for him, um, big news for Notre Dame, they'll be getting a linebacker back for their clash with Ohio State. His name is J.D. Bertrand. Um, he missed last week's game due to concussion protocol, but he is a two-time captain and a three-year starter and has over 200 career tackles. So big big piece back there. Uh, the SEC has also stepped in for the late uh, scuffle against Florida and Tennessee. Three Florida State, three Florida players have been suspended uh, for the first half of their game, and one Tennessee player has been suspended for the first half of his game as well. Uh, Michigan State has begun a process of terminating Mel Tucker's contract amid that sexual harassment investigation I mentioned last week. Um, Harlan Barnett will be the acting interim coach for most likely the rest of the year. He was the coach last week in their laughable performance against Washington. Uh, So not too high on expectations there. Um, Also, after a very iffy performance against USF, Nick Saban has announced that Jalen Milrow will be the starting quarterback moving forward as they uh, approach the SEC part of their schedule starting this coming weekend. They play Ole Miss, so definitely can't be messing around there. Uh, And then also some pretty cool news. uh, Colorado State and Colorado drew a late-night record 9.3 million viewers. A lot of people staying up till almost 2 a.m. to watch that, that crazy classic game, so that was pretty cool. Um, I guess also the last part would be just to look at the standings or the rankings, I should say. Um, not too much movement. Uh, Texas and Florida State was really the only movement inside the top nine. As I kind of mentioned, um, kind of with a really weird win for Florida State, really close win, probably should have been a little bit more than that because of that Texas and them flop. Uh, Oregon up 3-10. to 10. Uh, Alabama down three to thirteen after that seventeen to three performance, not very good. Um, and then uh, Tennessee with their big loss to Florida, they dropped twelve to twenty three. And because the of their win, Florida went from not ranked to ranked twenty fifth. So that's really the college news that I got for you. Wow, I didn't know Tennessee dropped that much, but it's it's warranted. Um... I do want to make a quick note on that when I go through the schedule. I, I won't go through every game because some of these games are just not even, um, you know, I guess, yeah. discussable. <laughs> For example, Miami 48-7 to over Bethune-Cookman. A big rivalry over there. Um, but we just going down the list. We did predict this game, so I will mention it. Uh, 31-13, uh, Drake May, North Carolina. They get the win over Salakanafakafakis, Minnesota. Uh, so North Carolina gets a win, and Parker and I will continue our watch for the Heisman for Zach Galifianakis. There we go. Um, Georgia with a win over South Carolina. This one was actually an interesting game in the first half, at least. I think South Carolina went into half 14-3, uh, to three, but uh, Georgia then pulled away in the second half while South Carolina never scored another point. 
Um, so it was kind of scary there for Georgia, but they were able to pull it off and go to three and zero over South Carolina. Um, just going down the list, thirty-one to twenty-nine Florida State over Boston College. Um, this one was interesting because it wasn't really a game uh, in the third quarter, but thirteen points being scored by Boston College in the fourth quarter kind of boosted their chances of you know getting back into the game. Um, and it was one possession at the end of the day, but they were not able to come back. And Florida State uh, closes things out on the road. Um, going down, there's really not many notable games. Tony, you talked about it, Alabama, 17-3 to over South Florida. Um, if you're a Bama fan, you're probably just not used to seeing this type of quarterback performance, but um, we'll see if maybe they can try to get some consistency with Jalen Milrow uh, this week. But uh, kind of a kind of a if iffy win, if you, if you could say, for Bama. Uh, but they do get the job done and go to two and one. Uh, like we just said, Tony Tennessee going down to Florida in Florida, twenty nine to sixteen. This was definitely a tough, uh, tough loss for Tennessee. And I think Josh brought it up um, last week how Tennessee wasn't able to perform that well offensively uh, against the team they were playing last week, and they kind of had a team meeting to see if they could fix some things, and it just didn't get any better this week. Um, scoring only one touchdown in the first quarter. I'm not sure if the six points in the fourth quarter was a touchdown and a missed two-point conversion, but um, yeah, they, they, they're just not getting a lot of stuff done offensively, and it's kind of tough to uh, see why because Joel Milton is Joel Milton. He has a big arm, just um, offensively they're not able to get a lot of things together, but uh, credit Florida for uh, just attacking Tennessee's defense all, all game long, and they were able to get the win at home. Um, moving down the list, it Probably was the best win of the week. Missouri, thirty to twenty-seven against Kansas State. Uh, we can consider that an upset because Kansas State was fifteenth ranked. Uh, they were able to hit a sixty-one-yard field goal to win the game. So, uh, very great, great win for Missouri and great atmosphere after they were able to hit that game winner. Um, I think last we can talk about Colorado, Colorado State. Um, probably not the game we were expecting to talk about, but Colorado. Um, they were able to score 15 points in the fourth, sorry, 15 points in overtime, 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and Colorado, they had a chance to really take it, but um, they were letting Shadur Sanders get the ball at the end of the game, and Shadur took it right down the field, and he was able to score. We were all watching it together. It was kind of incredible, this game. So uh, they were able to get a lot of uh, viewers watching this one, um, and Florida won this one 43-35 to in overtime. Um, I think that's that's really it. Uh, all the rest of the games are blowouts. Tony, uh, we'll start with you with any final thoughts on the week. Uh, another impressive performance, quiet performance, just because kind of their their opponent, but Oklahoma uh, absolutely destroying. Um, Dylan Gabriel five touchdowns. Remember, he's the U the UCF uh, transfer quarterback. A lot of questions, and a lot of people kind of thought that he could be. Um, a really good replacement for them, and you know he's definitely doing his thing so far. Uh, Oklahoma three and out, so I think that was a good one. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Florida State, I think probably should have handled business a little bit better. Josh did mention um, it is a uh, I forgot what the like name special name for it. The Red Bandana game, that's it. Um, it's it's a special kind of game for them, and I think that's a game where they kind of as a football team, turn it up a little bit more than usual, and maybe they just caught Florida State a little bit surprised, but I think you'd like to see, as a Seminoles fan, you'd, I mean, a win is a win, but when you're ranked third and you're playing an unranked team, I think you want to have a little bit more of a complete game than that, especially when you're going to be playing Clemson this upcoming week. You definitely want to have a little bit momentum kind of going into that 
game instead of a little bit of uneasiness in Tallahassee right now. But that's really the only games that I uh, I uh, was intrigued by. Is there any games that you were intrigued by, Josh? Um, yeah, I think you mentioned it. The Red Bandana game. Uh, BC always seems to show up and play hard for that game. So, uh, I thought that was a game that like. <laughs> It felt like a game, you know, BC would come out, play with energy, and then the better team would just kind of pull away with it. Uh, and Florida State started to do that. I think they were up 16, and then all of a sudden, it's a two-point game again. So, I mean, props to BC for, you know, clawing back and making it a close one. And I feel like there's some uneasiness there with Florida State fans not being able to, like, confidently put away uh, BC, you know. Um, same thing with Alabama, you know, some quarterback issues or not issues but I guess concerns concerns with the team in general right losing to USF three to nothing halfway through the second quarter is like a huge concern so uh the sky's not falling yet in Tuscaloosa but I understand their uh concerns um the I mean I'll bring it up just because it wasn't really much of a game Clemson game Clemson looked a lot better against FAU kickers still struggled I really just bring this up because I wanted to bring up a really funny story. So, uh, Jonathan White Wentz, something like that. He was the backup kicker to BT Potter, who was an undrafted free agent in the NFL uh, this past season. And he decided to go into graduate school. He's taking online classes. He'd already moved to Charleston. He was taking online classes. He quit playing football because Robert Gunn, the third, RG3, was Clemson's new kicker, supposed to be this five-star, you know, whatever, top kicker in the country. Well, Gunn starts struggling. They bring in a backup and a kicker, too. He misses one or two. Dabo calls Jonathan Wentz, Whites, whatever, in Charleston. He's like, I didn't like, I, I didn't even realize he was enrolled still, but he's a grad student, and he has eligibility. So he calls him. He's like, hey, man, like, do you want to come back and kick for us? And so this guy is, like, taking online graduate classes in the other part of the state, you know, five hours from Clemson or something. And he's got like a job offer lined up. He's supposed to start a job in like a couple weeks or something after graduation, something crazy. And all of a sudden he's like back on the football team. So I think that's kind of a funny story. Clemson in the kicking shoots he lives in. Uh, but that's really, I just wanted to tell that story, honestly, because I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I don't feel like there were a ton of Great games on the slate. Uh, huge upset, I think, for Missouri over Kansas State. That was a crazy ending with the 61-yarder. But that's that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Um, for me, honestly, the chippiness between Colorado and Colorado State, I am surprised that some of these players did get thrown out. And I think that includes Shadur Sanders. I'm sure they're not going to kick a guy like him out of the game. But the stuff I, I saw on social media – the eye poke in and all the other stuff before the game was just crazy to see. It was an actual rivalry that day. Um, and it did lead to some unfortunate injuries, including Travis Hunter uh, getting knocked out. I'm not sure what safety's name is, but um, he took a pretty big shot. And I think he's going to be out the next three to four weeks if I'm uh, reading on things correctly. But those are some big games coming up for Colorado, and they will be without uh, one of their biggest playmakers on both sides of the ball. So. Uh, we'll see how that can impact the team. Um, but let's get right into this very juicy, juicy slate we've been waiting for for weeks. Mm. Probably the best week um, of the year so far. 
Um, I think, well, I'm not sure why this game is coming up first, this Saturday night game, but I was following the route here, and I'm we're going to go with Notre Dame hosting uh, Ohio State. Um, and right now, OSU is favored to win by three on the road. Tony, who do you got? Very interesting. Uh, when you sent this to this, it was three and a half, so it is getting shorter. Uh, well, I think I'm. Gonna, I think it's pretty easy for me. Uh, I'm going to take Ohio State. Um, Notre Dame's going to bring one hell of a team, but I was really, really impressed with Kyle McCord, and you're really starting to see him pick a little bit up offensively. They definitely look like they're kind of out of that um, funk, I guess, if you will, that they had through the first couple weeks. But um, yeah, I'll take Ohio State minus three on the road. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, um, I'm rocking with Ohio State in this one. <laughs> I think, I mean, Notre Dame looks like a good team, you know, and so I could get the close spread in this one. I feel like Notre Dame is, like, historically known as a team that, like, chokes in big games, and maybe that was the Brian Kelly thing, you know? Uh, so maybe that's different with the new coaching regime, but for that silly reason alone, I think I'm going to take Ohio State. Yeah, this is this is tough, and I don't know if this is going to change your guys' opinions at all. But um, I see the the little weather logo on this game, and I see a chance of rain. I'm not sure how um, accurate that's going to be, um, but the fact to me that Notre Dame likes to run the ball, they've been running the ball very well against. I mean, they haven't had the toughest schedule this year, obviously, um, but I, I think they can run the ball. And you know, if the weather gets kind of wonky, I'm going to go with the team at home that can run the ball. I'm going to take Notre Dame, and this is considered an upset technically, so I'll I'll take Notre Dame to cover that spread. Parker, what do you think? I'm going to be rolling with Ohio State. You know, I can't uh, switch up on them, so I'll uh, take Ohio State. Up. That's a very fun game to start off on for sure. Uh, Josh, let's let's start with you on this one. Um, first of all, Ooh. are you going to be at this Clemson and Florida State game? I assume you're working it. Are you working it? I really wanted to do, but my cousin is getting married this weekend and uh this was the game you were talking about my uh my sister is in the wedding so it's a pretty big family ordeal so uh i thought i'll try to do both because it's a noon game but i feel like the uh responsible decision is to not be late to my own family's wedding so we're not gonna flirt <laughs> so no i won't be there unfortunately i'll just watch it on the broadcast but uh I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an exciting game. It's only the third time in the last decade that Clemson has been a whole underdog. This has happened against uh, Florida State in 2013 when we got blown out like 52 to 14. Uh, And it happened in 2016 against Louisville in the Lamar Jackson days. So it's a, a rare occurrence, I guess, but... I mean, right now, Florida State looks like the, like the more, um, they look like the more complete team right now, and it like Clemson looked better against FAU. Like everything looked a little more smooth, right? And they showed a little bit of that potential that makes you think they can compete with some better teams. I still don't think like Natty is in the books or on the, on the table for this team anymore, but like competitive, you know, maybe compete for an ACC championship or something. Um, and I think the defense will be able to keep, keep us in it. 
I think that Florida State's defense probably won't have a hard time stopping our offense either because they've kind of struggled. So uh, I could see this being a low-scoring game, you know, two good defenses and Clemson's offense not being great right now unless they just pull out all the stops, you know. Uh, there's still some concerns, I think, with Klubnik not being able to see the field. Uh, or it felt like there were a few times where he just eyes down his primary read and that's it. And so I think there's, I wouldn't say there's worry there because he is still technically just a, a true sophomore. He's still young, only had, you know, two starts last year maybe. So there's a lot of learning to do. I, I think Clemson can keep it close, but. Man, I like. I want to pick them because home underdogs. I feel like Death Valley will be an electric environment. But man, like maybe the LSU game is like way in too much in my mind, and I should be focused more like the BC game than the LSU game. But I feel like if we get the LSU Florida State Florida State team, then I think Florida State wins this one. So the spread actually changed to two and a half. It was one and a half. I think it was one and a half when I sent it to you guys. So Josh, do you expect Florida State covering that? I mean, it's tough, but I feel like a like a field goal game is totally possible. So yeah, I would say like I like I I couldn't in confidence pick Clemson to cover a two and a half point spread. That's so close, you know. At that point, like I would just pick Clemson for the full upset too, you know. So. I think I'm going to stick with uh, Florida State and hope that I'm pleasantly uh, surprised this weekend. Yeah, Josh, for me, honestly, I, I kind of want to go that same route. This is a scary pick because it's hard for me to pick Clemson when they've looked the way they, they've looked the last couple. I mean, last week they looked really good, but just when I was watching them when they played Duke, I don't know if that was an outlier game, but uh, they weren't able to really function as an offense at times. They were able to run the ball, but... Um, I think Florida State, to me, they impressed me more against uh, a team like LSU, who was going into the year as, you know, one of the best teams in the, in the nation. Um, so for me, I'm going to take the team that I see visually as the better team. And who knows, this could be a situation where Clemson just, you know, lights it up all night in front of their whole crowd. But their backs up, the, I think Clemson's backs are against the wall right now. They need to start winning these games uh, to save their season. But for me, I'm going to take Florida State on the road. Uh, but kind of like you, I hope I see another result. Uh, but what about you, Tony? I, I'm taking Clemson. Uh, I think they cover and everything. I think they win outright against Florida State. So I'll take uh, uh, Clemson plus two and a half. Adam, are we your dress? I I'm gonna actually be taking Florida State as as uh, painful as it is for me to say. Uh, I will be taking Florida State. Perfect. Okay, so we will move on to um, Oregon, Colorado. I mean, talk about an interesting game without an interesting spread. Tony, right now, Oregon at home is favored to win by 21 points. Uh, Colorado will be missing their star, Travis Hunter. Crazy. 21 points. Uh, I saw in practice this week, Colorado was practicing the Oregon uh, band song over the loud speakers. So I think that's pretty good motivation. Um, I think Honestly, I do think Oregon does win this game, but I think Colorado makes, I mean, minus 21, that's wild. Uh, so 
I'll say Oregon wins, but I think Colorado definitely. So I'll take Colorado plus twenty one. I don't think there's any way that they lose by twenty one points. Yeah. Uh, um. I mean, I'm right there with you. I think that, I think that Oregon wins. That's a kind of a large spread. And from what I saw when I tried to look it up, the line opened at Oregon minus nineteen. I think so. If that is from a couple weeks ago, the lines only moved two points with the Travis Hunter news. So I don't know, like that. That's quite as much as I like. I feel like I I feel like it should have moved more. But I mean, who knows? Maybe. Vegas knows something I don't, but I, like we just saw a Colorado State team that was winless, right? Go into Colorado and force a what double overtime against Colorado. So, I mean, I feel like it's, I mean, it's Oregon home game too, right? Like I, not feel like, like I have no trouble picking Oregon to win, but I. I don't know. Like, I feel like Colorado could keep it close, but also feel like this could be where they, you know, where they meet the first real stout competition, and uh, we we see Oregon handle it pretty solidly. So, I'm gonna take Colorado plus twenty one, but I, I'm expecting Oregon to win. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I want to give Colorado the respect they 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 deserve. Really, they they deserve to. Um, beat 19th ranked. It was kind of scary last week, but I think they'll they'll stay they'll they'll stay in this game. But I think Oregon, their offense has just been I think one of the most dominant in the nation um, altogether. So I'm going to take uh, Colorado to uh, cover that spread, but um, I think Oregon will win the game. So Parker, what about you? I'm going to be right following along uh, with uh, you. I'll take uh, Colorado to cover, but I think Oregon wins. Cool. Okay, perfect. So Dylan Gabriel, Tony, you talked about him earlier. Um, he is going to be on the road facing Cincy. Um, and right now, I think the spread was pretty close. Uh, not, not really. Um, no. OU, they're predicted to win by 14 and a half points on the road, Tony. Uh, minus 14, I'll take that. I'll take Oklahoma minus 14 on the road. Just They're they're in a really good stretch right now. And Cincy, I think, will be decent. I think they'll give up a better fight than Tulsa did last week, you know, allowing 66 to 17. But uh, I think or or Oklahoma wins this and covers. How about you, Josh? I mean, I'm taking Oklahoma in this one. Uh, since he didn't, they just lose to like a not great team last week. Like, so uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um. So, uh, yeah, I would take Oklahoma and uh, feel probably pretty good about this one. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they keep it close since they are at home. Um, I think they keep it within the 14 and a half. So I'll take uh, Cincy with the points here. What about you, Burger? I will be taking Oklahoma. I don't trust Perfect. Cincy at all. Uh, next up, we have another uh, ranked game between two teams. 22 UCLA traveling to Utah, who is 11th ranked. I think these two teams faced off last year, and it was, I, I'm not sure, um, Tully, do you remember the game last year? I think UCLA came up with a victory. I'm not too sure. But right now, Utah is favored to win at all by four and a half. I can't remember the result right off the top of my head, but I think you might be right. I think UCLA might have snuck by him. Um, I'm going to take Utah in this one to cover. I think UCLA has a very intriguing and exciting uh, offense. Um, but I just kind of trust the experience of Utah, and they kind of seem like they still have that chip on their shoulders. 
Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, Utah minus four and a half. How about you, Josh? I'm right there with you. Uh, I like Utah on this one. Let's take UCLA, man. I don't know. Uh, these two teams are very similar statistic-wise, and I'm not sure. Cam Rising, Tony, do you know, is he playing? I, I haven't really been following him too much with his injury. Do you know if he's playing or not? I haven't heard any really progress, so I, I think uh, I would guess maybe the Nate Johnson freshman third string is going to be, well, third string is going to be starting. I would imagine so. Because I don't think they're in, they're still not impressed with uh, Bryce and Barnes. I feel like. Okay. Well, you know, Chip Kelly for the win, baby. I'm going to take them. I I think they upset on the road. Parker, what do you think? I'll go out on a limb and say, I'll go with you, Aram. Let's go make it into ride or die. Yeah, let's make it interesting. But um, okay, so we have Washington State at home against Oregon State. Uh, Josh, I I'm gonna put you on an assignment. I want you to watch EJ on this. I want you to provide me feedback on his quarterback play. I'm just kidding. Um, Washington State is actually not favored to win. Oregon State on the road favored to win by three. Tony. Um, I'm gonna take Washington State at home. I feel like. Uh... Don't remember his name right off the top of my head, but their quarterback had four touchdowns in the first half, and they had like 64 points last week. Again, it, not a super great team they played, but I think just that offense is still in a really good rhythm. Um, so I'll take Washington State plus two and a half. How about you, Josh? Uh, yeah, I'm taking Washington State all the way. So, I mean, you like I, I feel like around you this is coming. Like, you think you say QB rating – QB, QB rating 55, DJ, you know, with the 14 of 30, with two interceptions or whatever he was. Like, no. I'm taking one way through that here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah, I don't like DJ's mechanics at all. I don't think he's going to come up big on, on the road. But uh, if he does, uh, he's been he's going to be proving us wrong. But, uh, Park, what do you think? Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll go with, with uh, Washington State. Perfect. Okay, I did skip a game. Um, sorry about that. Uh, we'll go back up to Alabama hosting Ole Miss. This is a little bit more interesting than previous years. Alabama, they're favored to win still by six and a half. Tony. I feel like this is going to be a, a game in that Bama really, it's like a must win for them. I feel like this is still kind of like one of those important games um, in their kind of like dynasty era to still keep it going. Because I feel like if they lose this game, I mean, Man, we we could see them be like in the twenties, if not maybe even unranked. I, I don't think they would be unranked. Let me not go there. Uh, but I'll take Alabama to cover at home. I feel like they'll have a chip on their shoulder in Tuscaloosa. How about you, Josh? Yeah, you know, I feel like we said that they would have a chip on their shoulder after losing to Texas, <laughs> and then they struggled to put away USF of all teams. So. I'm a little hesitant to double down and say, oh, well, this time, you know, they'll have a chip on their shoulder. Um, and so it's, this one's tricky for me, but I feel like, like you don't bet against like Bill Belichick. You don't bet against Nick Saban, you know, like I just feel like Alabama will find a way to win, you know? So I, I'm going to take Alabama minus seven. 
Yeah, I haven't been so unsure about an Alabama team than I am this year. I mean, I, I had no idea what to expect from their quarterback play. If they're going to, I mean, I, Bama, they, they take these games really seriously against ranked teams at home. I, I just think they're going to uh, get the win here. So I'm I'm going to be with Bama. Park, what about you? I'll take Bama um, as well. I usually don't bet against them either. Okay, so we actually got another, I think it's the last matchup of the week that we're going to be predicting. We have, uh, where is it? Iowa, 24th ranked Iowa, traveling to Penn State. Uh, this better be a whiteout game because I missed those. Um, Tony, we have Penn State winning by 15, according to the betters. What do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll take, I think, you know what? I think because of McNamara, I think Penn State wins, but I'll take uh, Iowa plus 14 and a half. I feel like... Um, their offense can keep it a little bit closer than the first couple games that Penn State. Really stout defense for Penn State, but I feel like Iowa can keep it close. How about you, Josh? Um, yeah, I mean, a uh, uh, fourteen point spread is, I mean, it's pretty large for a, a ranked matchup. You know, like I think mm-hmm. it's the largest spread that we have of the week, and the you know, the ones that we're picking. And like I said, it's a it's a ranked matchup, so. Kind of surprising by that, um, but honestly, um, I think I'm gonna just take the easy, easy way out here. I'm gonna go with the favorite. I'll take Penn State eight, uh, minus fourteen and a half. If you want to, like, I don't know if it matters a ton. Maybe tease it down to fourteen, thirteen and a half, even. But I'm, I'm gonna take Penn State at home here. So Josh, it actually went up to fifteen. <laughs> oh, the opposite. Do you, do you change your decision? No, I'll. Oh, I think I'll still ride with Penn State, but I would feel much better if I could like do like a teaser play and tease that down to like thirteen and a half instead of fifteen or something. Yeah, for me, I think Iowa. They have a quarterback, and they've always had a defense. I think that's going to travel. I don't think they win the game. I think they cover that spread, though. I think um, they'll perform pretty well. Hopefully, it's a whiteout. But uh, Parker, what do you think? I'll take uh, Penn State. Okay. Perfect. Um, Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about on the NFL (laughs) side. If you guys give me just a second, I can flip over. Uh, We are going to go back to week two. I am up first. I got to get my notes out. But um, the Vikings went down to the Eagles on Thursday night football, 34 to 28. Um, Similar kind of topics to talk about if I'm comparing this week to last week or I mean last week's game to week one's game a ton of mistakes um two fumbles one fumble uh near the near the end zone which basically screwed that drive up um and a fumble by Alexander Madison on the ground um so just another week another (laughs) another game where I'm just looking at my team making all these mistakes and ultimately that those mistakes costing them the game um they weren't pro- perfect on any aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams. They made mistakes on almost every side of the ball. So offense, I mentioned the fumbles, um, a lot of wasted possessions, a lot of pointless play calls running up the middle when we know that our interior offensive line is not good enough um, against the Eagles. A really, really stout defensive line inside. Um, and we had a couple of plays where we just run r- right up the middle. And that's one thing I talked about against Tampa Bay. Um, and I said you can't do that you can't run against these fronts you're gonna have to just bite the bullet stop wasting these plays and run to the outside if if you don't if you don't run one play up the middle i would be okay with that 
because you have to see what's in front of you, what what you're going up against. Um, and we we wasted possessions really. We had three and outs. We ran the similar route concept with uh, which um, I think led to a fumble or interception, one of those two. Um, but basically, I just want more consistency on offense. I still have not found that consistency. Bad play calling, mistakes with the fumbles, uh, gaps in play calling. Um, we got something together in the fourth quarter offensively, but it was a little too late for that. Um, I do have to say the overall pass pro wasn't as bad as, as I expected. Um, but we just weren't able to get any push, uh, from our interior offensive line in the run game. Um, you need to balance out the run and pass, even if you're playing a really tough, uh, defensive front, we were not able to do that. Um, and the result was right there. We screwed it up. Um, you can't ask for anything more out of your quarterback when he is getting bumped every five seconds, every time he's in the pocket, but, um, defensively we were beat on deep plays we were beat up the middle um on the ground by deandre swift he had a career game against us um, we have massive massive personnel issues uh inside and when i say inside i mean defensive tackle defensive end marcus davenport still hasn't played um with an ankle injury so right now we just do not have the personnel to go up against a team like the eagles that has a really stout uh, interior offensive line and they just bullied us um all game long um for me the scheme is fine we're living and dying by the blitz which i expected um just hope that we can you know fix our run game run defense because um teams are going to be attacking that from now on if they see the the tape that we presented against the eagles they'll just copy them um also special teams we had a fumble and we gave up a 61 yard field goal so um, three aspects of the game we made a ton of mistakes on um, and we didn't really deserve to win the game and this was a game where the Eagles really didn't deserve to win the game either um, and we never took advantage of it uh, the Eagles looked kind of sloppy they looked very not into it it seems like their offense is not um, as dominant as they were last year and we were just not able to take advantage because we made a ton of mistakes by coughing the ball away Um so the mistakes just need to stop and it's cliche saying that it just needs to stop. I mean, I'm not really sure what they have to do to stop fumbling. It's for me, it's a mental issue. Um, you just got to clean it up and hope it, hope they do coming up uh, week three, but um, the route concepts play designs have been good. You just got to clean up the mediocrity mindset um, of running up the middle and wasting a play. Um, but there were a couple signings we made. I can go over that in the news section. Um, but that's really it for me. There wasn't too much more to talk about. The Eagles dominated us on the run game. We weren't able to stop it. Um, and they beat us and we go to, oh, and two, um, that's really all I had for my game. Uh, moving up the, the ladder here, we have the Packers and the Falcons, the Falcons taking down the Packers 25 to 24, a very interesting game, uh, to watch to say at least, but, um, next we have the bills 38 to 10 over the Raiders. Uh, Tony, we can stop with you on this one. It ended up being a close game, really. Uh, the Bengals ended up scoring a couple of touchdowns in the second half, but uh, kind of the same result as last year, starting 0-2 and, and some concern um, with your quarterback, Joe Burrow. I'll let you take this game away here. Definitely. Uh, definitely some uh, disappointment at home to kind of start the home campaign for the year. Um, did have a couple positives. Um, Charlie Johnson. Um, pretty cool to get his first NFL touchdown on a really sick punt return. Um, there was a flag, but they did pick it up, thankfully. Um, T. Higgins had a good second half, I thought. Two receiving touchdowns. Um, 
there was just a lot of little little bad things I would say to start almost an eight minute drive for Baltimore to get their first points of the game. So we get the we, the first time we even touch the ball. There's like less than seven minutes left in the first quarter. Um, there was also a, a very big uh, sequence in the game. I feel like um, so we made it ten to ten right with about three minutes left before halftime. They get a field goal. Okay, we're, we're down by three. Um, we get the ball to start the second half. We drive all the way down to their 17-yard line. We look like we might take the lead. Burrow throws a pick and uh, leads to a Baltimore touchdown drive. All of a sudden, it's 20 to 10. It's like, oh, man. You know, so that that kind of stinks. Um, obviously, those two touchdowns, uh, two touchdowns to Higgins uh, kind of helped keep it, kept, kept it close. Whoa. Sorry about that stumbling here. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, we just weren't able to stop the ball, I think, when we needed to. Um, 178 yards on the ground for Baltimore. They could get first downs, it seemed like, whenever they really, truly wanted to. We could get them into, like, third and three or third and two, but we just couldn't apply that pressure um, and kind of get any penetration. So they could kind of pick it up. Uh, I think they had four wide receivers that had an average of nine yards per catch. So basically a first down every time they catch it. Um, so that really stinks. Um, no sacks for the defense, no forced from, or no forced turnovers. Um, and yeah, I, I just kind of wrote here, just couldn't seem to stop the Ravens at all late. They kind of were able to run out those last three minutes. Um, I thought the offensive line did all right. I, I feel like they did better than last week. There wasn't too much pressure on Burrow. Um, I think they only allowed one sack and that was in the fourth quarter. So kind of a bad time for it to happen, but I guess to allow just one, was better than if we, you know, last week was pretty terrible. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we can maybe mention it too in the news, but uh, Joe's uh, also tweaked his calf again. Um, they did say that uh, yesterday or today, I believe that he has been feeling better, no boots or anything, and he hasn't been lipping. Um, but uh, Zach Taylor is still kind of his status for uh, the Monday night game against uh, the Rams is still kind of uncertain, I guess. I mean, I, I would probably lean to him starting because, I feel like at this point, if that wasn't the case, uh, Browning would probably be taking some snaps during the week here, but obviously we haven't heard any of that. Um, and then one final thing was just 41 pass attempts, 15 rushes. You're, you're not going to win a lot of games that way. You got to balance it out a little bit. And it seemed there was only three rush, three people that ran, and it was um, Joe Mixon, Burrow for one rush, and uh, Chase Brown for one rush. So. 13 rushes for uh, Joe Mixon, but yeah, we just gotta we gotta get a little bit more uh, balanced, I think, offensively, and just trying to try to get off the field uh, defensively. We can't let these um, these long drives and just let teams continue to get third downs on us. So that's kind of really all I got for the unfortunate loss. Join the 0-2 yeah. club with me, Ron. Yeah, that's the vibe for this podcast. Again, minus the Dolphins. Good job, Josh. Um, Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, Seahawks and Lions. Seahawks with a gritty win in overtime. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about from this game. Uh, big injury, David Montgomery. Um, he's going to be out for a little bit, but um, the Seahawks get the win on the road. The Titans with a win against the Chargers. 27-24. Ugly, ugly start for the Chargers. I can talk about that a little bit when I get to the prediction side for our game, but um, just... Very bad for the Chargers. You don't want to start 0-2, uh, especially losing on the road against the Titans. But um, Parker, 
if you can scrape up the memory for this one, I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about other than this game, but the Bears going down to the Buccaneers 27 to 17. You officially joined the O2 club with us. Welcome, buddy. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm actually going to talk about everything with the Bears right now. Um, I'm not going to spread it out. I'm going to talk about it all right now. Um, we'll start with the game. We're going to go over the game. It's probably going to be really quick because it doesn't really matter. Um, we went out there. We played, like, sh- like really bad. And then um, let's just say uh, we had some protection problems offensively, and uh, we couldn't uh, – we could not keep fields upright. Um, <laughs> fields um, – <laughs> <laughs> Fields took Things care. have gone south on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, uh, there's some tomfoolery going uh, going on uh, right now uh, behind the scenes here, but um, we'll try to get back on track. I know talking about the Bears, uh, there's just such a laughing stock we cannot help. Uh, but to laugh about them um, and make fun of them, uh, especially with what is going on right now uh, with their team and all the reports that were coming out today. But uh, we'll go back to the game. Um, just a whole lot of nothing. I mean, you know, we we start, uh, you know, our possession with the ball right off the bat. Boom. DJ Moore, you know, he had more catches in just one drive than he did all of last week. Um and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we went right down and we scored on a nice little Justin Fields uh, scramble there. And uh, then, um, Josh, don't you dare. And um, anyway, uh, then after that, it was just a whole lot of nothing um, offensively until the fourth quarter uh, when we were able to uh, put another really good drive uh, uh, together just really fast. Uh, boom, boom, boom down the fields. Justin Fields was six for six with 92 yards uh, the drive before the fumble drive. So it's not like he can't do it. Um, maybe it does have to be come down, coming down to, to uh, play calling there because if um, the uh, – if the uh, play calling was a little bit better, uh, maybe we would have uh, been able to advance the ball down the field, and, you know, as we all seen, everyone's making a big mockery of the Bears right now. Fields is missing guys, uh, not looking very good. Uh, the play calling looks really weird. Uh, let me give you a little stat line here about my my guy, uh, Roshan Johnson. So early in the game, he broke off a, about a 30-yard run. Um, after that, he only got one more carry. Uh, tell me – in what world uh, does that make any sense uh, to you guys to have a player that, you know, runs a, a big, you know, 30-yard gash on a really good defense, really good running defense, and, you know, we decided just not give him the ball uh, pretty much the whole rest of the game, um, even down, not not even going to try. Uh, that, to me, doesn't make any sense. Um, but then we get to the final drive, and that is when the popcorn – starts flying out of your hands uh, when you're watching. Uh, you just can't quite uh, seem to get what's going on. And uh, that drive started with a first and 10, which 
uh, on first down, uh, they ran a screenplay to uh, Justin Herbert, or not Justin Herbert, sorry, uh, Khalil Herbert. And uh, there was a illegal blocking downfield on Chase Claypool or offensive pass interference. Uh, hit him too early on the block. So uh, we had to go back. Or Actually, I believe that there was an offside uh, that resulted in a pick six, believe it or not. Uh, a pick six on uh, first down, uh, but then it was offside, so it went to first and five. Then there was the uh, the aforementioned uh, screenplay that was a pass interference, uh, so it went back to first and ten uh, from I think the maybe the seven or eight yard line. So backed up really close to our to our end zone. Uh, the ne the very next play, it, I believe it's first and ten again. Uh, there was three plays ran, never get never got past first down though. Uh, we're still uh, we run a, another screen, the third play in a row where we run a screen, um, and this one gets intercepted um, right by the end zone by Shaq Barrett and returns it for a touchdown. Um, I don't know uh, what you guys are giggling about over there, but um, uh, there. <laughs> Just doing some drawings. You have to say Just doing some drawings. Huh? I'm doing some drawings. Yes. You're artist. Okay. So anyway, we'll get to uh, you know you know after that our defense uh, for some reason looked fairly decent except. For uh, Mike Evans, who just you know carved us up like a like a nice uh, like a nice I don't know turkey dinner on Thanksgiving, um, just very very easily through the defense. Uh, not shocking. No pressure on Baker Mayfield. I don't even know if we got a sack. Uh, run game looked very bad. And this is Matt Eberflus's first game con plays uh, on this defense, and you know really didn't show anything special to me. Um, there's a lot of people from outside the organization saying, you know, they could try a million other things to try to get to the quarterback, but yet they want to stick with this four-man rush and hope that our guys can cover deep when, you know, it's just clearly not working. At least we, we need to start blitzing more or we need to start, you know, applying pressure. And, and you know, if they're going to complete a pass on us, at least let's, you know, knock the quarterback down a couple times. I mean, we're not even getting to the guy. You know, the, the quarterback's jersey ac across the way is, you know, sh they don't even need to wash it after the game because it never touched, it never touches the ground. I mean, they could just keep reusing it all season long. It'll never touch the ground. Um, and that's a problem, obviously. So, uh, well, with that game uh, being said and done with a pathetic game again, uh, we'll talk about uh, pretty much just the crazy drama-filled week that it's been. Uh, in Chicago, um, with shots being fired, potentially crazy allegations uh, being made uh, this week, you know, week two, this wild season that it is for Chicago already. So um, <clears throat> we'll start with, um, I don't even know where to start. I, I guess we'll start with the amount of, of hate that Fields is getting right now is something that, that I've... I've almost never seen, I mean, from a player, I mean, it's, it's just wild. People are, are scrubbing this guy down, you know, to the ends of the earth uh, for a couple of plays. I mean, obviously it's definitely warranted. Don't get me wrong. Um, but 
I think a lot of these people are looking at a couple of plays in a game and are not watching the entire game, are not really looking and know what's going on in Chicago because let me tell you, Luke Getsy, and I'll probably say this about 25 times before this podcast is over, this guy doesn't know a thing about what he's doing. He thinks that we have Aaron Rodgers 2.0 in Chicago. He thinks Justin Fields can run the same kind of offense that Aaron Rodgers can run. And, you know, I think he's just a big poser. Uh, he's a big, fat phony. And he he just he, – he's, he's a poser that, that just uses this cred of being in Green Bay. Oh, I'm just – you know, I was in Green Bay with Rodgers and – and, you know, this guy has no play calling – uh, play calling experience other than last year, which, um, you know, have, we had the worst record in the league. So that, you know, goes to show you just where this team is at overall. But, uh, you know, offensive play calling has been abysmal for, you know, the last, I don't know, tw- t- 10 years in Chicago. But, uh, you know, this year, it's, I mean, it's hard to watch at times. The amount of times that we are forcing ourselves to go three and out is is just mind-boggling uh, to me. It's like the defenses don't even have to do anything uh, while they're out there. Um, I mean, they get it, – it's just it's, it's first down, screen, incomplete or blowing up, already second and ten. We run the ball. They know it's coming, maybe one or two yards. And then third down, we try to pass it. And we usually either take a sack or complete the ball uh, short of the chains and have to be punting on fourth and two. It, it, it happens numerous amount of times throughout a game. It's almost like you could know what's coming. And, I mean, we heard it from one of the Tampa Bay players. Um, Levante David literally said, you know, we knew what play was coming because they ran the same play three times before that. And, you know, this isn't elementary school. This isn't high school football um, where you're running the same play over and over again. Uh, Luke, uh, obviously, uh, you know, something's wrong there. But um, with all that, uh, Luke Getze, this dude has been getting a lot of hate as well. A lot of people want him fired. Um, I am one of those people. Uh, he needs to go immediately. This guy is a clown. Uh, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, it really just goes to show, you know, polls might know how to run, might know how to draft well, might, might know how to attract free agents and stuff like that. But it, it seems like these like these coaching hires have been very suspect. Um, I mean, obviously, all three of these guys uh, will get into kind of the drama that was the early part of today uh, here in one second. But, uh, you know, Poles, he kind of deserves a lot of criticism for this as well because, you know, this is his first co- his first coach, prime developmental years of fields. And it almost looks like they've digressed, like they've gotten worse. I mean, I've seen tape comparing rookie year to right now and Fields' release is a lot quicker in his rookie year than it is now. And you'd think that it would be – you know, the opposite of that. You'd think that it would be getting the ball faster. And it, it just, you know, like we've mishandled this this situation so poorly. And it's really sad because I'm the biggest field uh, supporter. I wanted this guy before the draft. I wanted him while I was watching him at Ohio State. And just to know that, you know, we, we've screwed up 
monumentally this talent is something that I mean it's it's hard to to even fathom. It's hard to it's it's hard to 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 swallow that that pride down because we want him to be really good and you know that he can be, but it just seems like like he's being withheld from his his true ceiling, his true potential. And the play calling has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, to me, a quarterback, yeah, it's definitely on them at the same time. But we've seen these quarterbacks advance, Hurts, Allen, you know, these guys take steps to, to the next level uh, due to good coaching, due, uh, good offensive programs and schemes. And in, in Chicago, it just it doesn't seem like – like they are building that kind of atmosphere. It's, it's not really like that. It's it's like Getsy's trying to fit him into a hole that he doesn't necessarily fit into. Like he's not just a pocket passing quarterback. We need to get him outside where he can make a play, where he's actually dangerous, uh, in, in, you know, in the run game, where we're making teams have to play up to defend so we can throw deep and we're not setting ourselves up for that. We're abandoning the run. Uh, these even plays that we do, we we bring Velas Jones in for for one play, and everyone in the world knows that it's gonna the ball is gonna be going to him. I mean, he only comes in for one play because he can't do anything else for us. He only comes in for one play, gets a little end around that. Within we lose three yards, and you know that's just a lot of the problems uh, for this team. But uh, we'll move on to kind of the drama uh, now. You know, earlier today it was reported that defensive coordinator Alan Williams um, was like missing or people didn't know where he was. And because Matt Eberflus during his press conference, uh, people asked him very direct questions. Is he employed? Is he still, you know, have you spoke to him? And he said, uh, he said that he didn't, he wasn't, you know, doesn't have any, any updates. And he kept saying that over and over again. And um, it's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, obviously that's kind of shocking, but then, you know, as the morning and the afternoon uh, progressed, uh, more news came out, speculations, uh, f- former bear Char- Charles Tillman, who actually is currently on the FBI. Uh, apparently they were re- reporting that he broke in and raided defensive coordinator Alan Williams house. <laughs> and it was being reported all across the waves and all across the words. And it <laughs> it came up that it was all false information and everything was false. And there was reported that he was a pedophile and all this other stuff. And it was just a big mess. And it was like the shocking coaches are crying and all this stuff. And I think the reason why they were crying is because he has a medical issue that is wrong with him. Maybe he has cancer, something along those lines, where they were very saddened to hear that he was leaving. Uh, And that's why uh, he left. So all that drama, just sweep it away because it was just hearsay. People go online and they read a tweet and it keeps getting getting retweeted. Chicago Press was tweeting it out like it was like getting kind of like emergency podcast type of stuff like it was happening. So it was like it was kind of a crazy uh, little afternoon there. But, uh, you know, he's uh, resigning as defensive coordinator. I'm guessing Matt Ibafus is going to take over uh, the play calling role. Uh, um, So I guess we'll see how that goes. But. 
Uh, Fields, during his interview today, um, was getting asked a lot of questions um, regarding like play calling, things like that. And, um, you know, he did say, you know, some of it is coaching, but then following that in the locker room, he did follow that up with a kind of like an apologement kind of video, which I kind of don't really like. I wish he kind of just would have kept it out. Like I'm sure the coach has said something, but um, you know, he said, I think it's coaching, um, which, you know, I, I could see why it, it feels like, it feels like whatever they're trying to make him do, it just is not working. So like, maybe we should like work in a different Avenue or different, a different place um, because it's just, it's not working. And uh, we have the chiefs the, uh, this upcoming week. And, you know, obviously that's uh, not a, a small task. So uh, um, I, I guess we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll go from here and I'm not really holding too much, too much faith, uh, right now for the rest of, of the season, if if this is how it's going to be. so Yeah, Barker, that's some good stuff, man. Um, a lot happened today. I mean, if you just excuse the, the stuff that happened in the game, it was crazy to be a Bears fan today. Um, but luckily, it's only week two, and there's – I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but there's, what, 15 weeks left, 16 weeks left of the season, so – a lot can go right in that amount of time. And it seemed to me with what Justin was saying is that he's probably going to go back to what he was doing last year. And I think that is a lot of what you said, getting out of the pocket, using his legs, using what he's doing best, especially what he did in college. He needs to find a way to get himself unleashed with his arm talent. Um, and if that's running the ball more, that's running the ball more. He found success last year by running the ball and opening up, uh, just making the defense think, hey, this guy might run. And that gives Justin an opportunity to unleash his talent passing-wise. I mean, we have to look <laughs> inside. He's basically shooing away his quarterback coach. He's shooing away the offensive coordinator. There's still going to be somebody that calls the plays, obviously, Luke Getze. But I think Luke Getze is going to be his puppet for the rest of the year uh, with, with how they performed these first two weeks. I think Justin Fields is going to take over this team. Uh, and we'll see how he can handle it performance <laughs> Yeah, that's – that's kind of what I've been seeing around. Um, it, it seems like there's been like a lot of like, you know, coaches in his ear almost like you said, he looked robotic out there and he kind of did look robotic almost in a sense of like, he's so it's like, it's like, they're like, Hey, don't take a step out of the pocket now. Cause if you stay, take a step out of the pocket, you're going to be stepping on lava. And that's almost, it's like what they were trying to do to him because he's sitting in there almost over, analyzing each play as, oh, I got to make this perfect throw here in the pocket. I got to make this perfect throw here in the pocket. Meanwhile, some of his most amazing plays from last year came when this dude was running around playing some backyard football, just getting away from these guys and, and throwing the ball downfield, the literally wide open receivers. I mean, these guys are wide open. It, I think making him be this kind of Aaron Rodgers, like I said, Aaron Rodgers pocket passer, like, He's not going to be that. Like, we need to start thinking a little bit more outside the box. And, you know, we'll go back. Like I said, the hiring choices that we that we made here. When you think of that kind of offense, does that ring a bell? Like, oh, Justin Fields in that offense. Like, to me, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really, really make a whole lot of sense as to why they would pick a, a guy from Green Bay to come run the offense in Chicago. Um, and, you know, maybe he gets canned after this year, but – like you said, Aram, I guess we'll see what happens if 
if Getsy still has a role on this team, uh, you know, come season's end. Yeah, for me, it sucks for the player because I can recall back. Sunday Night Football does this a lot. They like to con- um, compare quarterbacks. So let's say a quarterback played last year on Sunday Night Football and they were broadcasting it. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, and then the same quarterback plays for a Sunday Night Football game the next year and they look at mechanics. What's changed, what they were just doing in the offseason. Sometimes you see the arm motion being quicker. Sometimes you see footwork be different. What's different about Justin Fields? Who was next to him, coaching him? Who Who's responsible for being employed to do that? <laughs> he hasn't, it doesn't seem like mechanic-wise he's improved, and that's on the coaches. Justin Fields is the guy who plays football. What are the coaches doing every week throughout the offseason? I mean, you got to look back at the call for this one. I mean, Justin missing reads a couple times. Sure, that's the situation where he has to go back and look at what he did wrong. But a lot of this is mechanics. I see Josh Allen jumping, trying to hurl three guys at once. These guys have instincts that take over. And it seems like it's because coaches kind of let them play. Coaches, first of all, they call the play that's best suited for the quarterback. But then they kind of just feel it out and see what they can do with their talent. It seems like they're too much into the year of Justin Fields. Like, look here, look here, look here, look here. And it seems like it's screwed with them. So we'll see what you can do. Um, come it up here. Um, I, I think we'll see the right. version of Justin I, Fields. If it's one of the see. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Now, I was going to ch- like chime in real quick. Like it's, it sucks to see, but like, like you almost have to blame coaching at this point. And come, I text the group about it and I figured out, like, I just bring it up again, but like, Look at like Trevor Lawrence as a rookie. Like, there were people analysts that legitimately had Justin Fields above Trevor Lawrence in their draft rankings, that 2020 draft class or whatever it was. So, like, the potential for Fields is like so clearly there. And you see, like, like Trevor, right, struggles a little bit his rookie year, arguably worse than Fields as a, as a rookie. And then Urban Meyer leaves they bring in Doug Peterson I'm sure they probably brought in a new OC they probably brought in a new quarterback coach but they bring in some new coaches and all of a sudden the Jaguars are in the playoffs right so like to me coaching is a huge thing and I feel like Aram kind of nailed it where it feels like they're if it feels like like good coaches will, will mold their scheme to their personnel and to me it just kind of feels like the Bears have like a square peg and they're trying to force it into a round hole. That's exactly how I feel. Like the scheme is not like, like there's certain plays that like your quarterback does like, doesn't like run more of what he does, run less of what he doesn't like. Don't try to make their, your personnel fit your scheme here. It's the other way around, like develop your scheme based off of your personnel. And it like, it's, I mean, we're, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but like, I, I feel like it's, it's coaching. Like when you look at the talent that's there, it's it's hard. Like like Fields obviously isn't perfect, but like I don't think he deserves the brunt of the blame either. Right, and you know, like I said earlier about Roshan, like the guy breaks off a thirty yard run and he gets one carry for the rest of the game. Like, how can we like say that you know this is pinned down on one guy missing reads? Like, we got to build. We got to build up our run game more. We had the best running game in the league last year. Like even minus Justin Fields, Herbert was gashing defenses at times. We had we had guys busting out runs. Montgomery and um, uh, Herbert were busting out runs like crazy last year. Even though the, like the passing game, 
and this year it's just like a completely 180 difference. It's just like we don't want to run the ball. We want to run this weird pocket passing game. And I think we need to just get him out and let him be able to run freely instead of stationary in the pocket. Yeah. Well, one more thing before we can move on, Park. If you have anything final, we can do that. But I do want to say, I want to talk mechanics. Mechanics-wise, I feel like a coach should be coaching mechanics. They should be coaching what the quarterback should be doing once he sets back the pass. I think if you look at Jordan Love, a guy who I think was, what, 19 for 40, something along those lines in that Falcons game, had a chance to win the game. And he came out statistically as a pretty good performer that game with three touchdowns. And his mechanics looked damn good. Like as like a, a second or third year guy, whatever it is, he his mechanics seem to be there. Um, that's what seems like the system in uh, San Francisco. I think that's why quarterbacks thrive in that system because they're coaching mechanics. They're coaching Brock Purdy's footwork, his his vision, and they're kind of letting him do everything else after that instinctually. Um, it didn't work with Trey Lance in uh, San Francisco, but Jimmy Garoppolo, his footwork was great, and he succeeded. I think it's all of the quarterback mechanics. When you draft a quarterback, you're supposed to mold them into um, – somebody that they can be and they they have justin fields has the potential i just feel like they need to coach his mechanics which they are hired for so to me it's just mind-boggling that they they're just not developing his mechanics that's what i have to say anything final for me parker um just that um i'm coming to the terms with reality just every single day that this team is just a bad organization, just a bad team. Well, I hope that's bad not the run. case. Yeah, I, I hope that's not the case. But we can move on. We'll talk about the team the Bears will be playing in KC. Kansas City on the road, uh, defeating Jacksonville 17-9. to I'll try to speed things up here. The Colts on the road, 31-20. to uh, Anthony Richardson does lead the game uh, with a concussion, but they were able to get the road win against the 0-2 Texans now. Uh, the Niners um, kind of squeak out a victory in LA. It was technically San Francisco, it was technically LA, but a lot of San Francisco fans in that game. Uh, Thirty to twenty-three over the Rams, they win. Uh, the team that they will be playing on Thursday night, the Giants, with the scary win, thirty-one to twenty-eight. They were down, I think, what twenty to zero at one point, maybe twenty-eight to zero at one point. They were come back, get the win on the road. The Giants move to one and one, while the Cardinals go to zero and two. Um, just not enough from the Jets' offense. They go down to the Cowboys, who look like True contenders, thirty to ten at home against the Jets. The Commanders, they were one uh, two-point conversion away from blowing the game from a hail mary, but they were able to hold on there, thirty-five to twenty-three. Sorry, thirty-five to thirty-three on the road against the Broncos. Um, and then Josh will let you kind of discuss this one here. Twenty-four to seventeen, the Dolphins take down the Patriots on the road. Yeah, uh, big win. I feel like division wins are always a big win, um, especially you know on the road um i think uh it was a little frustrating that we weren't able to really pull away with it uh it felt like like we were up 17 to 3 i think at one point you know and it felt like we really had a chance to put our foot on the gas and kind of put it away and i mean to be fair i feel like they tried but Tua throws an interception on a deep ball or we miss a 50 something yard field goal and it's just little stuff that allowed the Patriots to stick around. 
Uh, and I mean, I understand like they're a good, like they're not a bad team. They're well coached. And I feel like you shouldn't expect to be able to pull away from a team of that caliber, but I was kind of hoping we were. Um, big thing for me was the run game. I feel like, uh, we saw the Dolphins kind of air it out against the Chargers, and everybody had a feeling that Bill Belichick is going to take that away, right? Tyreek Hill's going to see double teams all day. They're not going to let us air it out like we did uh, against the Chargers. And for the most part, they really did. Like, there weren't nearly as many deep balls, I don't think. It was a lot of quick passes, balls coming out quick, um, which – while I'm there, I think they said in the Patriots game, Tua's average time to throw or time to release was 1.98 seconds. So he was literally getting the ball out in under two seconds, which is huge. And it honestly kind of makes our offensive line look better than they probably are. Like, I don't think they're bad. They're certainly overperforming expectations, I would say. But when they only have to block for two seconds, it, it makes their job easier. So... Uh, I think a lot of the scheme is kind of masking potential flaws in personnel here. Um, but uh, the Patriots did take away a lot of the pass game, I think. And we kind of expected them to, but it was going to be a question of whether or not we would, be, we, would, we would be able to run the ball like we wanted. And I feel like uh, for the most part, it was... Nothing crazy, you know, three yards here, five yards here, something like that. Just chipping away little pieces. But uh, Raheem Mostert was able to break away with, uh, oh, I think one big run, two two good runs, really. One big run in the fourth quarter that I think kind of sealed it for us. Um, so, and it's kind of the opposite of Aram's situation with the Vikings. The Dolphins run a ton of outside zone, like everything to the outside like we have speed, try to get speed on the perimeter in open space and let those guys work. And ironically enough, some of our biggest runs came from inside zone where we decided to like run it up the middle instead. And I, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed to work. Uh, we were able to gash a couple of big runs here and there. And the run pass splits were much closer to even this game than they were the first game. The first game, I think Tua threw it 45 times, and we had uh, 15 rushing attempts, give or take. I think that's not including any Tua scrambles or anything. And in this past game, uh, we had 30 pass attempts, 26 rush attempts, and that's taken away Tua's scrambles. So a much more even approach from the offense uh, so I feel like that's that's really promising that uh, defenses, to an extent, really will have to pick your poison. I feel like if they could choose, they would probably play it the Patriots way. You take away the pass game and hope that you know you have the guys that can stop the run. But it is nice to see that they have the offensive balance. The defense, I feel like for the most part, did their job. Got a couple of good turnovers. Andrew Van Geekel had a career game, I would say, in a game where we were missing Jalen Phillips, arguably our best pass rusher. So, um, I think the defense did their job. I was kind of surprised. It, uh, Mac Jones, I feel like he's viewed as like a pocket passer, and some of his best plays came from, I would argue, almost like busted plays where, you know, where the protection breaks down, he has to scramble. Uh, he actually made a, a handful of really good plays, so props to him. I I think that they're going to be a much better team 
they've kind of shot themselves in the foot, I feel like, early in the season, where, the, you know, they they put themselves in positions to win, but just haven't been able to really, you know, finish. So I think they're going to be a good team. I think to go to Foxborough and win one early in the season is huge for us. So uh, I feel like overall it was just a solid overall team win. Perfect. So, yeah, the Dolphins, they go to 2-0, um, and the Patriots go to 0-2, so that's pretty interesting. Um, Monday Night Football, the Saints took down the Panthers 20-17, to and then uh, an unfortunate game, 26-22. to The Steelers take this game over the Browns, but Jerome Ford was the leading rusher for the Browns, which means Nick Chubb uh, did lead the game with an injury. It was a pretty gruesome injury, Parker. I guess I can lead, uh, lead you into some news or injuries if you had anything. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that one, uh, besides me, get uh, obliterated, obliviated, whatever. Um, and it was really bad. Um, and uh, all of us were like, whoa, like that, like was one of like the worst ones we've probably seen in quite some time. Uh, we hope that, you know, not only can he come back to play football, but, you know, that this guy can, you know, walk again and like be good, you know, be able to function like that way um, after sustaining that. Uh, kind of injury uh, on the Bears. I forgot to mention um, our starting left tackle, probably our best offensive lineman, Braxton Jones, is probably going to be done for the year with a neck injury. So uh, that is a absolute major blow to this team that already, uh, you know, is in probably the worst state that you could be in, uh, you know, as a team right now. So um, you know, obviously, just a huge blow there. Um, I don't know. Did you guys do you, do you have anything else to add, Ram? That's like super important. Well, my team. I can talk about my team real quick. Um, we traded for Cam Newton. Yeah. The Vikings traded a late yeah, round. Right. Yeah, a late round 2026 pick. Um, with the Rams, I'm not sure what round it was. Um, and I think we gave up pick as well. But uh, we get Cam Akers. Um, obviously. Not a lot of rushing success early in the season, which has been expected. I'm not sure why people are freaking out. We've played the Buccaneers and the Eagles, who have been really good against the run. Uh, but we do need to do a better job of first calling plays that help our running backs and not just going up the middle against a really tough front. But uh, we'll see how that trade ends up for the Vikings. We'll see what K-Maker's role is uh, moving forward. And also something to help them, I guess, moving forward with a depth piece is Dalton Reisner. Um, he was pretty good at uh, run blocking, I believe, last year in P PFF, he was uh, pretty up there comparing uh, starting right guards and left guards in, uh, in the league. But um, we'll see what Dalton Reiser can bring to the team, if he's even going to play, what position he's going to play, left or right, I assume, right guard. Um, Garrett Bradbury is not practicing again, so um, we'll have the backup center. I'm not sure what we want to do there, but it's just a wait-and-see game for me um, with Dalton Reiser and Cam Akers. Um but that's all I had for my team. Any other news out there? Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Kareem Hunt signing a one-year, $4 million deal to go to the Browns to uh, kind of replace Chubb. Obviously not replace him, surely, but uh, replace him in the role. Um, we have Devon, uh, Devontae Adams, who got blasted, I think, in the head um, over the weekend. I, uh, he, he blasts uh, Bill's rap after the late hit. He said, he had little to no purpose. Uh, I don't know if he beat the person or on the football field, but uh, nevertheless, uh, still a uh, kind of a feisty situation there. Um, 
Uh, Saquon Barkley, we can talk about him uh, injuring, I think, his ankle. Uh, he's going to be ruled out uh, this week. I think they play on Thursday against the 49ers. Uh, that'll be, you know, obviously without him, they're going to be bad, but uh, probably even worse, uh, you know, now. So um, we'll talk about Marcus May getting suspended for uh, violating a substance abuse policy, um, whatever that means. So he's going to be out for three games. Uh, Jamal Williams is going to be missing time uh, with an injury as well. Um, I think he hurt um, his hamstring. Uh, so the Saints uh, now down Kamara and Williams. Um, I don't know who their lead back is right now, but uh, they're kind of struggling depth-wise there as well. Um, and then obviously Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to be out for the game if he hasn't uh, – uh, already been ruled out uh, for this weekend's game. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick also hurt. Um, he had a chest contusion, uh, so maybe he will be missing time with that. But uh, that's pretty much. Oh, um, also, Chauncey uh, Gardner Johnson with a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, one of the biggest talkers in the league is going to have to yap his mouth from the bench. So. Uh, um, but with that one, we will uh, move on. Uh, I think that's pretty much you know, a bit of Waddle. I don't know, Josh, if you want to talk about Waddle, I've seen he's in uh, concussion protocol. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any reports recently. No one how the Dolphins tend to be, and also just consider the fact that we had two concussions last year. I expect them to be ultra conservative with this, so it wouldn't surprise me if. He only misses a game, maybe two, but I wouldn't. I personally don't feel super confident that he would play this week. Okay, perfect. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that, guys. Um, I want to go back to the college football picks real quick. Um, Tony, you had three, and the rest of us had two. So, congratulations on the winning week. Um, and for the NFL side, I believe it was kind of close, but I take I took this one. Um, I had eight. Parker, you had six. Josh, you had seven. And Tony, you had uh, six as well. There was a tie that we had. It was um, the Saints. Uh, it was I think they were minus three, and they they uh, it was a three point game. So um, okay, let's get right into the predictions here. We can kind of do a little zoom zoom around here. Um, we'll start with the Giants at the Niners, and right now the Niners are favorite win on Thursday night football. Uh, to fight. Wait, Tony. Um, yeah, minus 10 San Francisco. I'll take the 49ers minus 10 at home. How about you, Josh? Um, also rocking with the 49ers. Um, I will also take the 49ers. Parker? Yeah, I will take the 49ers. Okay, um, next up, we have the 12 o'clock games on Sunday. The Titans are visiting Cleveland, and Cleveland, their favorite to win by three and a half. Tony? Uh, I'll take the Browns at home. I think they bounce back minus three and a half. I'll be judged. I, I mean, I watched this Tennessee team. They're kind of a gritty team, man. They just got to close with those Chargers, and I thought the Chargers were a, a pretty good team. I feel like the Chargers are better than the Browns. Um, I, I mean, I'm gonna take Tennessee plus three on the road here. I'm, I'm gonna go for the upset. Yeah, me too, Josh. You kind of talked me into it, to be honest. I was leaning Cleveland, but the fact that it's three and a half, I think. The Titans kind of, I think they win by three. Um, or maybe Cleveland wins by three. So um, I think the Titans make it close. I'm going to go with uh, the Titans um, on this one. Bart, what about you? 
Yeah, Josh does uh, bring up some good points about them being a gritty uh, team. Uh, probably thought to you know be losers on the first two weeks that uh, they come out winners. I'll take them again. Perfect. Okay, Tony, we have the Falcons visiting the Lions. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown for the, the Lions. Maybe limited this game. Might be 80, 85% uh, going here. Um, he sustained an injury last week. But the Lions are three-point favorites at home. Ooh. I think I'm going to go with the Falcons on the road. Um, they seem to be really good so far. That running game's going really good with Bijan. So I'll take, uh, might be unpopular, but I'll take uh, Atlanta plus three. Who Josh? Yeah, man, I don't feel like it's all that unpopular. Atlanta's another gritty team. They like to run the ball. They control the clock. Uh, I went against the... I went against the Lions last week because I said I didn't know that they could beat a team by as much as five. I wanted to see them prove it, and they didn't. But I, uh, I think I'm gonna take the Lions here. Uh, one stipulation: I don't know if we mentioned this earlier. Amon Ra, they said he left the game due to cramping last week, but uh, I'm pretty sure that. I saw, uh, I saw reports, or there's people speculating that he actually has turfed out. Yeah, that's what it says here. It says uh, head coach Dan Campbell said Wednesday that St. Brown is dealing with a toe injury and is considered day to day. Oh God, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that that changes my opinion a whole lot. We kind of saw Josh Reynolds fill in pretty well when Avon Rock came out last week, so. I think I'm still gonna take the. I'm, I think I'm still gonna take the Lions here. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Lions. I think we get a lot more Jameer Gibbs. Um, they they don't want to run him up the middle, which is understandable. But I think he's gonna be big, uh, in this game plan for them. Um, I'll take the Lions. Parker, what about you? Um, you know what? I'll roll with Tony. I think uh, I don't know. They don't really look that flashy, and they don't really play that flashy. But they get it wins somehow. I'll go with the Falcons. Perfect. That's an interesting one. We we split that. So um, next up, we have the Saints visiting Lambeau Field. Um, the Packers are favored to win by two points. Um, and just heads up, Aaron Jones has not practiced again. I don't think he's going to play in this one. Uh, Tony, what do you think? That's a yeah. That's a tough loss for them in the backfield. I'm going to still take the Packers uh, um, at home at Lambeau minus two. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I guess full disclaimer. Maybe should have mentioned this earlier. There's eight teams. We're only two weeks in. But there's eight teams that are completely undefeated against the spread. Uh, the only two that play each other this week are the Cowboys and Cardinals. Uh, other than that, I'm picking every team that's 2-0 against the spread so far. So it's the Titans from earlier, and the Packers are 2-0 against the spread. So I'm going to take the Packers in this one. Um, I'm going to go with the Saints. I think Jordan Love has a, a real chance of facing some tough pressure i think the toughest pressure you'll face um so far this season we'll see how he can how he can perform under pressure if his arm talent can take over um maybe the scheme is is not the reason why he performs so let's, let's see what Jordan love can do i'm going to take the saints strong defense on the road mark what do you think you know and i was kind of going to leave in that way too i think i'll take the uh, saints um with car and slab boy and one of my favorite receivers, Olave. Did he get hurt, by the way? Uh, no, I think he did. Uh, he had a really good performance, but I don't think he got hurt, no. Okay. Okay. Then I'll take the Saints, yeah. 
Perfect. Um, Josh, let's start with you on this one. The Broncos are visiting Miami, Miami to face the Dolphins, and Miami, their favorite to win by six and a half. You want to talk about this one? Yeah, the only thing that I wanted to mention that I kind of forgot to mention in the Patriots recap game, uh, or recap of that game, we're still seeing a few issues with stats from the center. Like, I'm pretty sure Tua maybe fumbled, like, a kneel down or something. Like, maybe not fumbled, but, like, bobbled it. And we're getting a couple of errant snaps from Connor, and I I think it's it's not the end of the world. But if we start like we've kind of gotten away with it so far, but if we get to where we start seeing turnovers because of it, I think it's possible we go for a center and we move Connor Williams back to guard. He, the problem is he's fantastic at blocking. He's been great as a run and pass blocker, but the snaps have just been a little errant. And so hopefully they can. It's on that end. If not, we might be in the market for one soon. I I think most fans are a little more patient, but I'm seeing some reporters say that it could get urgent quickly if he doesn't sort it out soon. And that might be why they didn't offer him a big deal in the offseason. But uh, Broncos game itself, 2-0 and over, 7-2. I mean, like I think Russ and the Broncos are better than last year. I don't know that they're like anything to be – I mean, I guess you should always respect your opponents, right, in the NFL. For all men, like anybody can beat anybody, but I, like, I'm not super concerned about this one. I feel like Miami should be able to do pretty well in this one. I am curious if, you know, I think Fangio was with the Broncos not too long ago, so I'm curious to see if he left behind any uh, crumbs, you know, and, and so the, the Broncos run a lot of his stuff. Not sure, so I think that'll be interesting, but uh, I'm, I feel like I can pick Miami to to win and cover here uh, pretty confidently. Um, Man, this is a tough one. The six and a half is kind of worrisome, but I'm going to take Miami to cover that spread. I'm not sure if I'm lagging or not, by the way. My headset is having a lot of issues. Uh, Tony, I'll send it to you that you can send it to Parker while I fix my microphone. Miami All right. so undefeated against the spread. Sorry, I had to throw that out there. Cheer it out. There's another one. Yep, there's another one. Uh, I'll take Miami as well, uh, minus six and a half at home. Um, hopefully, uh, for Josh's sake this week, they can uh, maybe get a lead and put away an opponent and he doesn't have to stress in the fourth quarter. But uh, how about you, Parker? Are you taking the, the Broncos or the Dolphins? I'll take the uh, Dolphins in this one because uh, I have to already cut my fantasy team. You got help. I, I feel like if, like if the Dolphins want to be like a contender team like they say they want to be, these are the kind of games that you have to be able to win pretty easily. Honestly, so. Okay, we have our first yeah guys sweep, and that is going to take us to the first toilet bowl game of the year. We have Owen to Joe Staley traveling the Minneapolis, Minnesota, with the seven turnover led Minnesota Vikings. The spread is even, so it is a pick'em. Tony, who do you have on the sword? Ooh, um. You know what? I'll stick with you. I, I kind of liked with how, how they play in the fourth quarter on Thursday. So I'm going to take the Vikings at home. Um, hopefully, you, you know, just uh, avoid those those nasty uh, fumbles and things like that. Hopefully they can stay clean. So I'll take the Vikings. How about you, John? Right. Do you want to go next to Rob or should No, you can send it to Josh, and then once Josh is done, I'll give you my thoughts on it. I got you. Uh, the big thing for me right now is I noticed in my fantasy app that Eckler – went from projected 19 to projected zero. So uh, without Eckler, um, 
I'm, I mean, I'm tempted to go Vikings. Really, like I like. I don't know. It's like I, it's even. You know, it's a coin flip. But I feel like, like part of me says that it, it like if if Eckler is there, I feel like I go Chargers, and I don't think twice about it. But without Eckler, I mean, this team just lost to the Titans, right? And like it's two zero and two teams, but I feel like the Chargers at least had higher aspirations for this season. You know, like it's it's tough, dude. Um, I'm gonna take the Chargers, but dude, I I don't like that. Like, I I don't know. Like, I could just as I could very easily be convinced to flip here. Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in my team right now. We're making too many mistakes. We're just not executing. Not being. We're not balancing our run and pass game. The Chargers are very very bad against the pass. So. It would be the perfect Vikings game to screw up the passing game. Um, and I, uh, I'm i not taking the Vikings until they can prove to me that they can pull a full, put a full game uh, together on a Sunday. So I'm taking the Chargers. I think they um, squeak it out in Minnesota. Parker, what about you? Should I just... Yeah, I'm just... Tony, you're by yourself on this one. Enjoy the ride, buddy. Um, hey, I'm... I will not look back on your Viking ship, so Chargers <laughs> all the way. Um, <laughs> next up, we have the Patriots visiting the Jets. I think there was a stat out there that the Patriots have beaten the Jets like the last 14 times, something like that. I'm not sure what the stat was, but it's been a long time since the, the Jets have beaten the Patriots. Tony, the Patriots are favored to win on the road by two and a half, over under 37 points, not a lot of points being scored. Uh, what do you think about this one? I agree. Yeah, this could be a really defensive game as well. Um, I think if if I'm not mistaken, the last time these two played each other, it was three to three, with like a minute left or whatever, and like the Patriots took a, a punt return, they won ten to three. So crazy game there. I mean, that was last year, but just kind of getting that across. Uh, I'm gonna take the Patriots. I feel like Bill Belichick can't get to zero and three. Um, I think the Jets will definitely give a good fight, and I think it'll be really tight, low scoring, but I think the Patriots win. So I'll take them two and a half. How about you, Josh? This one's tricky. When I first wrote down my pick, I took the Jets. I feel like the Jets' defense, like I, I kind of think like the Jets' defense will be able to stifle the Patriots' offense, and I feel like the Jets' offense, even with Zach Wilson, like I figured – like they would at least figure out enough to be able to get it done, but and it's tough. I'm I'm almost inclined to go Patriots after their performance against the Dolphins. Honestly, like I I, I feel like I'm just gonna I don't know. Like one of their offenses is gonna have to figure it out. It's I don't know what the under is, but take it. <laughs> like it, I feel like it's gonna be a low scoring game. I'll. I'm flipping last second here from what I originally thought. I'll take the Patriots. Yeah, Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with what you had originally. I'm gonna take the Jets that had this game circled for a long time. Obviously, without Rodgers, it's a little bit different. But um, I think the the Schneid ends this Sunday. I think the Jets find a way to beat the Patriots at home. So I'm gonna take the the Jets um, at home. Mayor Park, what do you think? I think. Um... Man, I think I'm going to go with the uh, Patriots. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
Fair enough. Um, the Bills on the road are facing the Commanders, and the Bills right now, Tony, are favored to win by six and a half. Mm-hmm. I think I'll take the Bills to cover that one. Yep, Bills as well for me. Um, I like the Commanders' greediness, but I think Buffalo. Oh gosh, man! Oh no, this is a dark one. Uh, I'll take Washington with the points. I th- still think Buffalo wins, but I'll take uh, Washington to at least make a close park. What about you? Yeah, I'm thinking on your uh, on your plane there. I'll take Washington with the points, but I think Buffalo's going to win. Perfect. Okay, moving on. We have the Texans visiting the Jags, a division collision. The Jaguars at home are favored to win by nine and a half points. Tony. I'm a life dead. Division collision. Uh, I'll take the Jaguars at home, um, but I will... I think the Texans cover. I don't think it gets my, minus nine and a half. I feel like that's a little big. So I'll take Jackson. Or I'll take Jackson to win, but I'll take Texans plus nine and a half. I'll be your option. Yeah. Um, I think Houston has actually looked decent this year. They obviously don't have quite the talent, I don't think, to to be world beaters by any means, but I think they are looking decent. So division game, I feel like they're almost always close. I'm going to say that Jacksonville, I'm going to say they cover. Maybe they get like a last-second field goal to go up by 10 or something. I'll take I'll take the Jaguars here. Yeah, I think C.J. Stroud has had a really good year. He's really battled adversity because he hasn't had much of a line, much of a run game. There was a quick stat I'll, I'll mention. I said, to, I said it to you guys yesterday that Damian Pierce last week, I think, had um, 31 yards total rushing at 38 yards he had after contact meeting he basically lost seven yards from being hit behind the line of scrimmage every time he is getting absolutely not him but that offensive line is getting absolutely dominated on um in the run game and i don't think it gets better i think jacksonville um i think they'll bank on a lot of touchdowns which they weren't able to score against the chiefs or they're very close on a few touchdowns uh they weren't able to bank in but i think they bank in big time and win big um at home against the texans park what about you yeah, I don't trust him at all. I'm taking Jacksonville. Perfect. We have the uh, Colts visiting the Ravens. Baltimore, they're favored to win by seven and a half. Tony. Uh, Ravens, minus seven and a half. I believe you, Josh. Oh, um, uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. Yeah, Ravens by 20 uh, for me on this one. Park, what about you? Good night, Ravens. Perfect. Um. Next up, we have the 3 o'clock games. The Panthers are visiting the Seahawks. Um, we might not have Bryce Young. Um, I'm not sure what um, his status is right now, but I didn't see him practice on uh, Wednesday, and Wednesday is a pretty big practice that a lot of players attend if they're playing. Um, but with that being said, Tony Seattle, their favorite to win by six at home. Definitely. I think I think he'll play, and, and, and there was some, some good stuff we saw on Monday night. Still some stuff to improve on. I'll, I think I'll, t- I'll still take the Seahawks. I think that 12th man might kind of get to Bryce a little bit. How about you, Josh? Yeah, the Panthers, unfortunately, I don't think they look quite as good as like the Texans, for example, for teams that feel like they're in similar phases of a rebuild. Um, I'm, I'm going to take Seattle in this one. Yeah, last year, Seattle kind of got embarrassed against the Panthers late in the year. Last year, same situation. Um, right now, this week, I, I think they get some revenge on the Panthers uh, and Vito at home and cover the six points. Park, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Seattle, but I just want to say shout out Nash Jensen uh, in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, keep uh, grinding, baby. All right, move on. The Bears, Parker, we'll start with you on this one. 
um, there. If he's in pounding, Aram. The slogan, keep pounding. Pounding. Oh, I was so close. I was halfway there. Ah, poor second half before. It's my fault. Uh, the Bears, Parker, are visiting the Chiefs. The Chiefs right now are 12 and a half point favorites. Casey, can I see? Casey, Casey. Let's go. I bad Revenge game, baby. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking the uh, Bears to cover. I think the Chiefs still win, but I'm taking the Bears to cover. Uh, Josh, what about you? Let's go backwards. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs here. What about you, Jonah? I think I'm gonna take a Rams route. I think Nagy's gonna play. He's gonna have a little insight and keep the game close for his uh, former club, the Bears. So I'll uh, I'll take I'll take Chicago plus twelve and a half. Okay. Keep things interesting. Perfect. And Josh, you're taking the Chiefs. He said, right? I am. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Moving on, we have the Cowboys visiting the Cardinals. Um, Josh Dobbs led. Uh, Dallas, a favorite to win on the road by 12, Tony. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, explosions, but only for Dallas. I'll take Dallas minus 12. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I think this is the largest spread of the week, I believe. Um, Can't even steal. The, oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 my bad. My bad. The game we just hit. Um, it, uh... I mean, the Cowboys seem like they're on fire right now. We wouldn't pick against them. Um, both of these teams, two and all against the spread, so somebody's got to lose. But uh, I'll I'll take the Cowboys here. Um, sorry, uh, I'm I'm taking Dallas all the way. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna get shocked in this one. Maybe an upset. No way. I'm taking Dallas. Parker, what about you? Yeah, I'm taking Dallas as well. They're just too good to lose to a team like that. Perfect. Okay, moving on. We have um, a rematch of last year's game. Steelers at um, uh, the, the Vegas Raiders. I think it was full plot last year. Um, but this time, it's going to be played in Vegas. Vegas, they're actually favorite one by two and a half, Tony. Sunday Night Football. Very interesting. You know, I it might be a little bit unpopular. I'll take the I'll take the Raiders at home minus two and a half. I believe you, Josh. I'm right there with you. I'm taking the Raiders in this one. Ooh. Ooh, man. Oh. I'm stumped. I'll take the Raiders. Why not? I think they can perform at home. Bark, what about you? Oh, Canada. <laughs> I'm going to go no. with the Raiders just because of that. Oh, I think it would have been funny if he was riding with Canada. Okay, moving on to Monday Night Football. We have Philadelphia. They will be traveling to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers are right now Tony um Philadelphia they are favored to win by five on the road very interesting uh well I'll say that if the Eagles play like the way that they played uh, last Thursday I think the Buccaneers win uh I you know what I'll, I'll take the home underdog I'll take I'll take the Buccaneers out plus five how about you Josh man I th- thought I was gonna be a right I'd follow on this pick uh yeah I mean Buccaneers 2-0 against the spread we saw the Eagles. I guess you could say they struggled a little bit last week. It was a short week, uh, to be fair. But I, I mean, like it feels like the Buccaneers are kind of another one of those gritty teams that manages to keep it close. So I'll take the Buccaneers with points here. Um, I am going to go the different route. I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles win, and they win big. I think they get off the Schneid. I don't think too highly on the Buccaneers, although they have started hot. Um. A lot of things happened in those first two games where it could have flip-flopped if, you know, one drive was sustained or mistakes weren't made. But um, I'm going to take Philadelphia on the road to beat 
uh, Tampa Bay handedly, I think. Mark, what do you think? I don't know. Just watching Tampa Bay the last couple of weeks, I've become kind of fans of theirs. Um, but I don't know. I think Seattle's got a, a groove with the running game uh, right now, and I think that'll open up the passing game. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Eagles. You said Seattle. We are talking about Philadelphia, but I know what you mean. And then I said Seattle. I'm like, America, Eagles, Seahawks, they're all birds, right? Yeah, Actually, funny enough, a lot of games are going to be on ABC this year, Monday Night Football, so I'm very happy about that. Um, moving on. Yeah, moving on, we have the Rams visiting the Bengals. Tony, I'll let you start things off with this one. The Bengals are favored to win by two and a half. I do not know whether Joe Burrow has practiced today or is going to play. Um, you can take it away. It's definitely uh, uncertain at this point. Um, I would imagine he probably does, but there have been a fair share of people out there that have said that this would probably be a good week to just rest him. Um, Let me um, just jump in here. There was no injury designation for Joe Burrow, which means that he wasn't on the injury report. So that means that he probably is going to be playing. I would probably link to that as well. Um, especially if he's not like limping at all or didn't have a one of those boots on or whatever for your foot. So uh got the all white uniforms for the uh for the primetime game to this week, so that'll look pretty cool. Uh so I'll take I mean, you know, am I gonna really guess them? Uh Bengals minus two and a half. How about you, Josh? Uh I mean, uh Rams are for two and out against the spread. Uh Slow start for the Bengals. I, I, I mean, I'm gonna ride with the Rams. I'm gonna like undefeated against the spread and ride with all these teams until they prove me wrong. It may only take three weeks, but that's that's gonna be the plan. That's fair. I am taking the Bengals as well. Um, I think they get off the Schneid and score some points, play some defense. Um, to, uh, Parker, what about you? Puka, 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 Puka Nukua. I'm going to go with the Rams. I, I like Puka Nakua. I think that they're going to keep riding. He's the new Cooper Cup in town. So um, I think I'll go with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, 20-some targets in two games is crazy crazy good. That's like historic, apparently. Um, perfect. Okay, we have our picks. Josh, you can uh, talk some fantasy football here. All right. I got you. Um, So I think I'm just going to do some similar stuff to uh, – to last week, at least that's what I'm thinking. Um, if we're looking at waiver wire additions, no real news, nothing else changed, you know, no major injuries or anything. Um, so I guess you could say these are guys that you could maybe snag off the waiver wire. Uh, maybe they're guys that you can stream for a week based off of matchup if you like going more than, uh, one of your current quarterbacks or something. Uh, but I feel like I mentioned some of these guys last week, but uh, you've got Jordan Love, Mac Jones, and Baker Mayfield. I don't know that I would feel confident about Mac Jones against the Jets or Baker against the Eagles this week. So I guess this one's more of a... And, and Jordan Love against the Saints isn't particularly the best either. So, I mean, maybe these are like waiver wire guys. You can claim and check out their strength of schedule the rest of the season. I think the cow, uh, the cow, I think the uh, Packers is pretty friendly. If you want to take a shot on Jordan Love, 
I don't, yeah, I don't know that any of these guys are actually startable this week, though. Um, side note, Kirk Cousins is QB1 in fantasy uh, through two weeks. So, how about that? Um, at the running back position, I put Jerome Ford. Like, it's not really worth talking about. He's 70% rostered. Everybody claimed him just because he was Chubb's backup. Um, but I personally, I wouldn't let the Kareem Hunt news bother me too much as they like I don't know that Kareem Mott has done any kind of workouts right like he obviously didn't do any have any preseason right I don't think he was at any training camp so I don't feel like they're just gonna throw him out there right away so I feel like you're gonna get at least a week or two of Jerome Ford and let's be real like the Browns could have re-signed Kareem Hunt they thought that they liked what they had more with Jerome Ford behind uh, maybe Chubb. Chubb, right? So, which maybe that's not a hundred percent certain because of like free agency versus when the draft was. I don't know, but still, like the point remains. Like they could have kept him, and they decided not to. So, I like I feel like Kareem Hunt will probably play a very similar role to last year. It'll be like a change of pace, maybe like a third down goal line back. But I, I still feel like Jerome Ford will be the. Like, it's tough to say that with much confidence because he is, what, like a rookie with, like, 30 career carries. So, tough to say that with a ton of confidence, but, like, I think he'll be RB1 for them, uh, especially for the next week or two until Kareem Hunt solidifies his role. Um, Kenneth Gainwell's only rostered at 52.2% of ESPN leagues. I think, like, I know DeAndre Swift had a big game, and I think there's a little bit of recency bias, uh, but week one... Swift was non-existent, and Kenneth Gainwell was RB1. They're like, back from injury, we might get more of a 50-50 split. I'm on the side of it's going to be Kenny Gainwell's backfield again. But, I mean, I feel like you can probably pick or choose Swift or Gainwell, whatever you think. I think it's Gainwell, if you think otherwise. Like, I, I, I don't have a hard time disagreeing with you. Um... With the Barkley news, uh, if you really want to, you can go with Matt Breida, 17.6% rostered. Not a sexy pick. This is, again, like it's a pick for like deeper, deeper leagues where you're maybe short at RB. Maybe you went like zero RB and you're looking for guys. You can maybe take a flyer on him as a short-term guy. Uh, I think Roshan Johnson, he's only rostered in 30% of leagues feel like he looks pretty solid and if he's in a keep if you're in a keeper league i feel like he's worth consideration he like i'm having trouble seeing him be like the clear rb1 like i think he'll he'll serve more as like a change of pace to khalil herbert but i feel like i mean we heard we heard parker say it earlier he had like a 30 yard rush and then never touched the ball the rest of the game like it feels wrong right it feels like he should be getting more touches should be more explosive. I guess that's kind of like a TBD to see if what the coaching staff decides to do with him, but I feel like he's a solid pickup. Um, if, again, this one, if you're desperate and really deeply, uh, and I guess if Montgomery's confirmed to be out, you can take a flyer on Craig Reynolds. That's, I feel like, a really dirty pick. Uh, but he's going to, like, if, if Monty's out, Jameer Gibbs, I assume, is going to be the lead back, and Craig Reynolds will have a role in some form or fashion. So, 
Um, and the last one that I have listed, I'm pretty sure I mentioned him before the season even started, uh, Jalen Warren. I feel like like Pittsburgh fans see that like Najee is like three yards per carry, and every time they want something explosive, it's it's Warren, right? And Warren has most of the pass catching work, I believe. I think Najee has zero receptions, three targets. Warren, I think, actually has some value, at least in PPR leagues. So I feel like the Steelers are holding on to Najee because first-round pick capital, right? You want you want to get your money's worth, so to speak. And Warren's a UDFA, but like this feels very similar to Pollard versus Zeke or Eckler versus Melvin Gordon. I like I I feel like I would snag Jalen Warren and maybe after like the buyer or something he he becomes more prominent uh so that's all i've got for running backs for wide receivers uh i mentioned it earlier but if we're keeping an eye on Amon ross turco uh if he can't go josh reynolds is only rostered in 26 percent of leagues uh he looked like pretty solid almost like the go-to receiver once Amon Ra was out i think in that last lions game so I think that he's a very viable option, uh, like especially, I mean, he's almost serviceable even with Amon Ra, truthfully. So if Amon Ra is out with this turf, though, then I feel like Josh Reynolds has a shot of being productive. And even if Amon Ra plays, who's to say he's not on a snap count or, you know, just overall limited, right? So I, I think there's some potential there. Um, Rashid... Shahid is only rostered in 25% of leagues. Uh, it's tough to say that all three Saints receivers should be startable, right? Like Olave, obviously MT, maybe as a flex option or wide receiver three. And Rashid Shahid, like he's he's kind of getting almost what I thought Alec Pierce would get in a way where he gets one or two deep shots a game. And all of a sudden, he's got 60 yards, 80 yards, you know, just from one or two deep shots, right? And, like, when you're looking at wide receiver threes or flex plays, like, sometimes that's all you need. Um, in one of my leagues, we actually have a unique version of scoring where we also account for kick return yards and punt return yards. And in leagues like that, if you do scoring like that, I think he's even more of a pickup because – He'll get you a couple of points that way as well. Um, I've got Zay Jones listed. He's rostered at 51.4% of ESPN League, so he's kind of a coin flip. But this one's, again, tricky because it seems like wide receiver one for Jacksonville can swap in any given week, right? Could be Ridley, could be Zay Jones, could be Christian Kirk. It's kind of tricky to to tell, um, but... I feel like it's worth taking a flyer on and maybe giving it a couple more weeks to figure out who like the bonafide number two is because presumably Ridley is still going to be the one. He just had a rough week last week. Um, for my last wide receiver picks, I, I worded it kind of funny. Um, I put whoever you think wide receiver two in Houston is. Uh, Tank, Tank Dale is rostered at 15% of leagues. Robert Woods is rostered in 12% of ESPN, ESPN leagues. And I think what we're seeing is the Texans 
O-line is not giving them very much run support, right? That's why Damian Pierce had 31 yards and 38 yards after contact. And I think what we're seeing is C.J. Stroud is fairly accurate, and he's top five in the league in yards after two games, I believe. And I believe what's happening is, is the Texans are getting down, they're losing, and then their only chance of basically being competitive is you have to air it out. Right, the get like the the game script gets away from you. You're behind. You're trying to get points quick. You have to air it out. And so I I think we're seeing a team that's kind of having to pass it a lot, kind of like how like last year I guess with the Vikings where their defense couldn't stop anybody. You knew they were in shootouts. It's not the exact same situation, but it's like you know they're losing and having to air it out to try to get back in the game. It's teams that you have a like a strong conviction that they're passing a lot. And if you want to argue that it's Tankdale, if you want to err on the side of youth, like I don't blame you. If you want to err on the side of experience and whatever, and you want to say it's Robert Woods, I'll, I won't fault you there. And in pretty much an identical thought process, whoever you think wide receiver two in Green Bay is, like Romeo Dobbs is only rostered in 30% of leagues, and Jade Reed is rostered in 17%. I think Jade Reed had two touchdowns last week. Romeo Dobbs had two touchdowns the week before. And this is all without Christian Watson, so I expect both of them will probably regress once Watson comes back. Me personally, I think Dobbs will be more of a clear number two, and Jade Reed will be more of a clear number three, like slot guy probably, once Christian Watson is back, which is why I personally err on the side of Dobbs. You're looking at a freshman versus a sophomore, so... They're both young guys. Maybe you're a little worried. Dobbs had some hamstring issues early in the season, but I feel like you can make a case for either of those guys and whoever you're more confident in. I'll, I wouldn't argue with you too much. Um, and then lastly, how about this? I've got uh, four tight ends listed. These guys are all top eight in their position. Uh, so what feels like, Tight ends can be like a wasteland. These are guys that have produced through the first uh, two weeks that I feel like you can probably snag off of waivers. So, number one, I've got Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry with the Patriots. Actually, he's been pretty solid. Uh, I think there was some concern at the beginning that uh, that I guess Gesicki would take away some of the tight end targets from Hunter Henry, but it feels like, I don't know if, I don't know if they like run different routes or have different usages specifically, but to me, Hunter Henry, I think he's like tight end one or two and he's rostered in 50% of league. So is this the sustainable? I, I feel like you could argue one way or the other. Um, but right now it seems like he's a solid pickup and, and what feels like tight end wasteland, it feels like he's a consistent eight to nine points or so, which is pretty much all you can ask for from the tight end spot at this point. Uh, I also got Sam Laporta listed. Laporta, I know rookie tight ends usually don't pop, but he's rostered at 50%, 56% of leagues. And again, these are all top eight tight ends. I mean, it feels like in the Lions offense, like he's the guy and it, I mean, well, behind Neon Ra, right? Like, at the tight end spot, it's his position. And like I said, top eight, 
44% chance that he's available in your league, something like that. So I feel like Laporta is a guy, especially in like a keeper league or dynasty, like absolutely I'm hammering Laporta. Uh, this one's uh, kind of uh, interesting, but Zach Ertz. Uh, Zach Ertz, I know the old man or however old he is, uh, he's rostered in 47% of ESPN leagues. Um, but through two weeks, he leads the NFL in targets. And when we're looking at fantasy production, targets are a huge part of it, right? Especially like PPR league. Like we're looking at guys that get targets. He might not have a ton of yards, right? You might have seven receptions for 30 yards or something, you know? Like he, he might not have anything crazy, but those, you know, just the, the targets and the receptions are worth a lot in PPR league. So I feel like, Again, this is another one where is it sustainable? Maybe, but I mean, targets are promising, right? And the Cardinals could very well be in a situation similar to the Texans where they're losing a lot and they have no choice but to air it out, right? So I think there's some promise there. And then lastly, um, I've got Logan Thomas. Uh, he's only rostered in 3.6% of league. Uh, it's worth noting that I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in concussion protocol, so I wouldn't go picking this guy out thinking he's an immediate start. Uh, but, again, it's kind of another situation where, like, the commanders are down and having aired out a lot or whatever, and Logan Thomas is kind of getting his, I don't know, he's getting his, that's for sure. So um, he's currently, yeah, so he's one of the lower ranks. He is tight end eight, the lowest of this bunch. Um, maybe he got a little lucky and found the end zone this past week, but I feel like, again, when you're in tight end wasteland, sometimes you're, you're grasping at straws. I feel like he's viable. I don't really have him on here actually, but I, I think he could be solid. Aiden Hurst, he had a really good week, week one. And then all of a sudden Adam Thielen was more of the check down guy week two, which is kind of the inverse of how I predicted it. I thought Thielen would be, like, Thielen's week two performance is more of what I expected for the most part. Uh, Hirsch week one performance was more of, like, what I expected from him. So, I mean, again, could be a solid pickup. Um, I think it's it's worth consideration, at least. It's it's hard to commit to, like, a guy like Hayden Hurst over... Uh, like a Kyle Pitts, right, or a Dallas Goddard, like guys that you spent pretty solid draft capital on. But for me, it's just a false cause. You're better off just dumping it and trying to upgrade while you still can. Like that's kind of right. So that's that's what I've got for the waiver wire pickups for the week. Perfect. Well, that's gonna that's gonna do it. Um. Yeah, thank you very much for tuning in to the, the latest episode of a Yeah Guys podcast. Uh, hopefully, Tony and our long lost friend Parker, we can get back on track and not be zero and three. How does that sound, Tony? I am hoping for that. <laughs> Man, me too, buddy. Me too. Well, Josh, hope you can make it to three and zero. We will be jealous on the other side, um, and we will we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Bye. Yep. There you go.